The first reading is from Leviticus 19, verse 32. <clears throat> you must rise in the presence of an old person and respect the elderly. You must fear your God, I am the Lord. So that's just a little foundation for us. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. About that time, while the number of disciples continued to increase, a complaint arose. Greek-speaking disciples accused the Aramaic-speaking disciples because their widows were being overlooked in the daily food service. The twelve called a meeting of all the disciples and said, It isn't right for us to set aside proclamation of the God's word in order to serve tables. Brothers and sisters, carefully choose seven well-respected from among you. They must be well-respected and endowed by the Spirit with exceptional wisdom. We will put them in charge of this concern. As for us, we will devote ourselves to prayer and the service of proclaiming the word. This proposal pleased the entire community. They selected Stephen, a man endowed by the Holy Spirit with exceptional faith, Philip, Procurius, Nicor, Timon, and Promedian, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. The community presented these seven to the apostles, who prayed and laid their hands on them. God's word continued to grow. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased significantly. Even a large group of priests embraced the faith. Then lastly, Titus chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. The reason I left you behind in Crete was to organize whatever needs to be done and to appoint elders in each city. As I told you, elders should be without fault. They should be faithful to their spouse and have faithful children who can't be accused of self-indulgence or rebelliousness. This is because supervisors could be without fault as God's managers. They shouldn't be stubborn, irritable, addicted to alcohol, a bully, or greedy. Instead, they should show hospitality, love what is good, and be reasonable, ethical, godly, and self-controlled. They must pay attention to the reliable message as it has been taught to them so that they can encourage people with healthy introduction and refute those who speak against it. All of that does relate to being Presbyterian. First, I'm curious. How many people here have only ever been in the Presbyterian church in some form or time? One, two, three. Not a whole lot. How many grew up in a different tradition? Interesting. Fascinating. So we actually have what used to be called Cradle to the Grave Presbyterians. Um, we don't have a lot of those here. We have much more of a group that came to Presbyterianism from different traditions. I grew up in the ELCA Lutheran Church, migrated into the Presbyterian Church just by chance. It wasn't a calculated move. I didn't decide it one day. Um, so that's fascinating. Next question. Anybody know what Presbyterian means? So I don't know. Anybody else? That's the other fascinating part. We use this giant long word in the title of our church, and most people don't know what it means. 
The word Presbyterian comes from the Greek word presbyteros, which means elder. That is why we got Presbyterian, and you have to spell that word to anyone who's never heard it. It's not an easy word. We are governed by elders. Presbyterianism is a system of government for a congregation. There are four different kinds of government for churches. There's an Episcopal government. We have a bishop, and it's kind of a top-down model. So Catholic, Episcopal Church, Methodist, those are in that model. There's Presbyterian, which elects elders to govern the congregation. There's congregational, which don't elect elders. Everybody votes on everything. And then there's independent churches that kind of do their own thing. And you'll find a variety of stuff within those. So really, Presbyterianism is a system of us governing ourselves. We elect elders to serve on session, to serve in the presbytery, to lead you. I am not the one who leads the congregation. I'm the pastor. I moderate their meetings. I provide guidance to them. But they're the ones that are your leaders. So that's kind of what Presbyterianism is. But why do we still do it? Why are we still Presbyterian? There's got to be something more to it than a government system that we just adopt because we like it. Any of you have any kind of ways that you've understood Presbyterianism that you like about the Presbyterian Church? Yeah. I would like the fact that we're free to speak for ourselves and not told what we have to think. So, yep, so we're encouraged to think for ourselves. We're not told what we have to think. And we can disagree, in theory. <laughs> yes, everyone's welcome at the table. That's kind of a foundational part of our theology, that this is God's table prepared for everybody. Everyone's welcome regardless of background. We practice open communion. Anyone else? They're friendly people. Presbyterians are friendly. Try to be welcoming and warm. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. And this, so this was a different, was this a Presbyterian church or a different church? Yeah. Okay, so she was going to join a church. They didn't allow women to serve on committees at that church. So you found your way here. Okay. Yes, Shirley. I grew up in a Missouri Synod Lutheran church where just about anything you did was a sin. (laughs) 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 So it was refreshing to come here and find out it isn't necessarily a sin. Okay, so growing up in a tradition where everything's a sin, basically, and then coming into this where you can play cards and do things like that. It's not sinful. Yeah, Jess. So there's more of a stress on serving the community. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. 
Anyone else? Okay. Uh, Yeah, so open-hearted, open-minded. That's a long-standing kind of theme for the Presbyterian Church. Maybe we need to revive that bumper sticker. <laughs> Everyone is accepted. Yes, that's important here. Yes. Yep. So it's very similar to the United Church of Christ that you grew up in. Yeah, we're very similar to them in theology and in practice. Yep. So having come from a different background, what I like about the Presbyterian Church is there's a real focus on being relational. So in our theology and in our practices, there's a real focus on being in relationship with one another, with other churches through the presbytery. You know, a presbytery is kind of the next level of church where a group of churches in an area all function together. We have quarterly meetings. We work together in mission. We did the youth retreat in February as a presbytery. So it's a heavy focus on relationships because this idea that kind of, you know, a church alone out on its own can be effective is not a biblical concept. Being independent of everyone else really kind of is not what we learn in the Bible. This idea in the Bible says that, look, we're all given varied gifts and talents, and it's the culmination of all of those gifts and talents that are used to be the church, and we need all of them. We're really not equipped to do it all on our own. So even we as a congregation need the larger church body to be the effective church in the community. So the focus on relationships is really important to me and being in relationships with other congregations. Now the challenge is, is churches aren't great at getting along with other churches. We don't have a great track record. And the different denominations don't always have a great track record. Um, but we are in full relationship with some other denominations. What does that mean? When I was in my search process for my next call, I could go serve a United Church of Christ church. I could go serve an ELCA Lutheran church. I could go serve a Disciples of Christ church as a Presbyterian pastor. We have a relationship where we freely exchange, we're full communion with one another, it's called, and we work together. So I could have checked into other types of churches to serve. And that's a good thing. Like cooperating with other churches is a good thing. Um, a lot of churches I couldn't go serve. Um, but for those groups, we've all committed to working together. And we have other working relationships with like Methodists and Episcopal Church. I can't, I don't think I can go serve an Episcopal Church though. So there's a little bit difference there. But the thing I really, really like is the idea that we don't have a messenger between us and God in Presbyterian Church. 
We don't have, I'm not your go-between for you and God. We firmly believe that that barrier was removed through Jesus' life, death, and ministry and resurrection. So you don't have to come to me to gain access to God's forgiveness. You don't have to come to me to share your prayer requests. You have a direct relationship with God. That's foundational to our theology. That's why we don't have bishops. We don't have go-betweens. You know, in, in the Catholic system or Episcopal system, it's the priest that declares forgiveness of sin. I can remind you that you're forgiven by God, but I can't declare it. I don't have the authority to do that. That's God's department, it's not mine. So I like that our system and our model is that we are all equally in the, it's called the priesthood of all believers. We are all equipped, we are all given talents and gifts to move in this world and to be ministers of God's church. In our system, anyone can give a sermon. Who wants to sign up for There's a There'll be a list going around for the fall. They're not that hard. Um, people can serve communion, not just in church, they can take communion to people out in the community. We are all equipped by God in various ways to serve as the church. It's not just me that does that because I'm an ordained minister. So I like that part of us. We're all equipped. We recognize our gifts in one another. And it's those gifts that make up the church and are needed for the work of the church. So I like this system over like the Lutheran system I grew up in. There's nothing wrong with that system, but I like the emphasis on the fact that we're all equipped for the work of the church, and I'm not special as someone who's a pastor. I think that's good. Any thoughts or questions about any of that? This first question is going to be a lot more information thrown at you and less discussion. But it was a good starter for us. Does anyone want to leave the Presbyterian Church after that description? Is anyone like, I was way off. I thought we were something else. No. Yeah. Good question. Yes, there are many different denominations of Presbyterian. We are in the Presbyterian Church USA, which one of the, I'll find it for the quick notes, but when I took an American church history class, there was this diagram of all the splits and joinings of the Presbyterian Church. It's like a subway map, um, very convoluted. So there are others. We are the most progressive wing of Presbyterianism as far as being inviting and welcoming and affirming and open, you have other Presbyterian denominations that are more conservative. The PCA is the second biggest one. We're the biggest one. Presbyterian Church in America, they don't ordain women as pastors. They have a lot different theology around gender roles in the church, um, but they are still rooted in the same Presbyterian. They have elders, they have a session, they have presbyteries, the same kind of structure. 
There's even newer, more conservative groups that left the PCUSA, like the Evangelical Covenant Order of Presbyterians or the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, um, who mainly split over uh, the acceptance and ordination of queer people in the church. So they left and formed a new denomination. Um, so yes, there are other types of Presbyterian. Yeah, We don't have any other near us that I'm aware of. I don't know if Duluth does. I haven't looked. Um, but yeah. Just a brief history of Presbyterian. We come out of what's called the Reformed tradition. So there were three reformations. There was the German Reformation. They were first. That was Luther. Started with it nailing on his theses on the wall. The next generation of reformers were in uh, Switzerland. John Calvin in that group. So we come out of the Calvin group, the Swiss Reformation. There was a third reformation in England that started the Episcopal Church. That mainly happened because the Pope wouldn't grant the king his divorce. So he put himself as head of a church and started something new. So that's kind of a separate reformation. Um, so we come out of that Swiss Reformation. There was a guy in Scotland named John Knox who got kicked out of Scotland. He was raised a little too much ruckus, so he went down to Switzerland with John Calvin and learned from him, went back to Scotland when it was safe, and started um, the Church of Scotland, which is where the Presbyterian Church comes from. So when settlers migrated from Scotland to America, they brought Presbyterianism with them. So there is still the Church of Scotland. Um, if you go to the East Coast, the Northeast, you'll find very old Presbyterian churches. The first Presbytery, I think, was formed in 1760-something. So you'll find churches that are 300, 350 years old in New Jersey and things. So that's kind of the stream we swim out of. Um, what are Presbyterians historically known for? Any, you have any theology words that stick out? Predestination, which I found very confusing. Predestination, yes. That is one of them that came out of Calvin. He was a hard predestination person. Predestination is the idea that God has determined who is going to heaven and who is going to hell before there were ever any people. not in that camp, and you won't find a lot of hard, you won't find a lot of hardline uh, predestination people in modern Presbyterian churches. Funny enough, you will find more of them in non-denominational evangelical churches who have become very Calvinistic in the last couple decades. So you'll find more followers of Calvin's writing in those churches than you will in these churches, which is fascinating development. They're called Neo-Calvinists. They have a title. Um, so predestination. Yep, that's a big one. Anything else? That's the big one. There's others, but um, Calvin was famous for really throwing everything out that could be conceived as Catholic. Music went, instruments went, and church really was you listening to a very long sermon he preached every day, twice a day, for hours. So, next time someone complains about the length of my sermons, 
I'm gonna bust out one of those and read it next week. <laughs> yeah, wait. Yep. Yeah, he threw out any images and symbols, so you don't see any statues in Presbyterian churches. Um, I mean, if we were Calvinistic, you wouldn't see stained glass, and you wouldn't see crosses, and you wouldn't see any of that. He thought all of that distracted us from worshiping God. It didn't have a place in worship, so he threw it all out, which I think is really unfortunate. It took a long time for musical instruments to work their way back in. I have been in worship services in hospital chapels without music. They're terrible. They're terrible. We don't do it. Let's not do that. But he was worried about all of the kind of pomp and circumstance that distracted people from God and from worshiping God. So he just threw it all out. There was also this untidiness about him having someone burned at the stake, but that's a story for another time. He was not without his faults. I'll, we'll close on this, but the last one of the, I had to read all of Calvin's stuff in seminary. Don't recommend it but I have the books if you want to do it. Um, one of the things I appreciated the most, so growing up in the ELCA Lutheran Church, how communion was explained never resonated with me in Lutheranism. It's, it's the big word called consubstantiation. So it's not quite Catholic to where the elements turn into the body and blood of Jesus. It's not quite a symbol, it's kind of in between. Never made any sense to me. Calvin wrote that in communion, when we take the sacraments, it's not God that comes down to us, it's we that are lifted up into the presence of God. It's an act of remembrance, it's a symbol, it's not the real body and blood. However, that act of communion and why it's so important to us is that in it, we are drawn into God's presence. So God brings us into God's presence through that sacrament. And that's like, oh, I can get behind that. That seems to make some sense to me. So things like that are things that I like about kind of where we come from. Any last questions about any of this? Huh. How do we feel about grace? How do we feel about grace? Good question. We're big on it. We're big on grace. In fact, we're so big on grace that our theology is that God's grace is so deep and so profound and so prevalent for us um, that there's nothing we can do to gain it, but that God freely gives it. So it's this idea that we can't sin and bring ourselves outside of God's presence. We can't sin and turn God away from us and, you know, that God won't love us. God's grace is so big and so sufficient that there's really nothing we can do to bring ourselves outside of it. It is there for us in abundance. And we can have confidence in that. We can have confidence in that. You never have to be worried if you're in God's grace or not. You're there. It's there for us. But there, I mean, other traditions have a very different view of that. Yeah. 
but we firmly believe that God's grace is for us, for all, and that it's always there with us. Yeah. Good question. Yeah, Steve. Are there obligations of being a Presbyterian? Are there obligations of being a Presbyterian? Good question. Um, kind of. The idea is, is um, expectations for being a part of this community is that you'll share your gifts in whatever form that is. So um, for some that might be musically, for others it might be helping, you know, lead a certain part of our church or committee or um, our goal though is we understand that faith is something we practice like it's it's a thing it's a muscle it's something we have to practice all the time we're, we're training for an event that we're never going to get to um, so we encourage people to practice their faith to serve others to be out in the community um, all of those ways are ways that we encourage people to be active. Yeah. And worship's important. Coming together in fellowship and worship is really important. Kind of recenters us. Yeah. Any others? All right. Well, this was a good start. This was an easier question. We've got some real good ones coming up that don't have answers. Those are my favorite.